Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they live in another city around the world. And this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the only training program with well over 5,000 training videos that cover all the major skill areas. Kids love it because the average video is less than five minutes, 100% follow along. Coaches love the fact that they can create teams and see that the kids are doing it. And now club directors have a program that they can give to the entire club and give every child an opportunity to get better at home with the peace of mind of knowing it costs less than $5 per player per year. And with large clubs, we're not even going to charge you unless they activate the account. So you invite them out there. You invite them to the program for free. And you're not even going to get charged that $5, which is very low on your budget, in your budget anyways, unless the parent engages, unless the parent activates the account. So it's an absolute no-brainer. So check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do. You can join for free and get a lot of great free content. And now let's get on to the show. This show is squarely in the soccer dad's musings category. These are, this show is just a reflection of conversations I have with some of my closest friends, closest soccer friends, not my real friends. My real friends will never talk about soccer like this. <laughs> my soccer friends, right? They're my real friends too, but you know who you are. You, you know who you are. And then I got my real friends who I never talk about soccer to. But uh, my soccer friends, we, we will have these types of conversation. We will bounce ideas off, off each other. Some of it is just pure entertainment, something that we enjoy. And some of it is, for me anyways, as the founder of a training program, and then someone who actually does training kids, just helping me think through intellectually, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? How am I doing it? Um, why does this work? Why might this, why might this be more effective than this? That kind of thing. And I'm teeing it up that, that like that, because when you start getting into these heavier, um, scientific type theories, I am totally not qualified to really have a strong view on it, um, at all. I just think it's a, you know, a great way to, um, you know, a great way to, uh, have a have a good conversation, but I'm not qualified in that regard. At the same time, we, it, myself included, have learned experiences and things that we have seen work, and we'll share those. And then those are for people who, who may be experiencing the same problems or can take something away from it, even if what they take away from it is no, don't do that. So, so, so I don't want to devalue. Uh, the experiences I have from working with hundreds of kids and seeing thousands of kids and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm not qualified to give any medical advice or anything science, any scientific advice. This is just a conversation. So this particular conversation is about something I brought up earlier uh, in one of the previous podcasts. And I just want to dig into a piece of logic that I have so that I can share it out to coaches, they and other professionals, and they can listen to it. It sort of helped me understand where I may be missing something, give more detail in areas, or or just offer an alternative view or more uh, fact factual fact based uh, view or data driven view. 
So here we go. Um, decision making. And I think I'm not sure if I said this because I'm free writing. I said that one of the issues that we have when we have these conversations, I see when there's a disconnect, a lot of times a disconnect is just simply over definitions. And we haven't really defined exactly what we mean. And when you don't define exactly what you're talking about, there's this possibility that the circle, uh, the conversation become can become circular because everyone is basically true. They're saying the same, they're saying what they're saying is actually correct, but they're just basing it on a different understanding of what they are seeing or how they define things. So I like to be as specific as possible and then, uh, and then allow the person to comment on that or offer an alternative uh, definition or way of, of, of uh, thinking about it. And that's what I'm gonna to do today. So we talked about decision-making and in this, in the soccer context, I effectively said, you know, based on what I have read, the, the best framework that I have read for decision-making is this three-prong step, these three steps in decision-making. First is the perception and analysis of the situation. So I see something, I, I, have a perception of something and then I analyze the situation, right? And then the next thing is processing the actual decision, right? So I think I process it and then I make that decision. I do this, I do that, right? And then finally, there's a self-assessment of the decision that you just made, right? So an example could be you see an object coming towards you on the right, you process that information, you process the speed at which it's coming towards you. You process if this is something that you want to hit you or not. And then you move to the left and the dangerous object goes, flies right by you. So when that happens, so when that dangerous object goes right by you, then now is a reflection, a self-assessment of, did I make the right decision? Because if I stood still and let the object just hit me, I would also have a feedback loop that says, wow, that actually hurt. I made the wrong decision. Now, mind you, all of these decisions are happening at micro seconds. And those decisions that are repetitive require less, uh, less brain energy or, or less evaluation because they're so, so repetitive, the, the, the brain uses another portion of the brain, which I'm not qualified to talk about at the moment, to, to make these uh, movements almost instinctively. And then there are other ones where the brain has to actually think about it and then make, make the choice, right? And so, and so that's the framework that I have read that I like to use for layman terms of terms of, in terms of uh, this decision-making process. I see something, I do a quick analysis, I make the decision, and then I reflect on that, on what I just did. Now in soccer, I feel like that same process is happening but again, of course, it's happening at microseconds, right? And so I say that to say what tends to happen, and I'm going to read, hopefully read a comment. Yeah, I'm going to try to read a comment. What, what tends to happen, and I'm talking about this in the context of what I talked about, where I, in a rec environment or any environment, sometimes I will uh, have a rule that says, hey, you have to do this or a rule that says you have to do that. And I am, in my mind, basically, I am skipping the perception and analysis piece, right? 
and I'm actually skipping the process and decision-making piece. So I'm taking those two pieces off of your table. And I really only want you to do an assessment of what it is that you just did, did after you do it. So now, and that's the broad decision. So there are a lot of other decisions within that that you do have to make. So let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. So um, one, when I when I coach my older son's team in a 3v3, and I mentioned this a couple of times, you know, once they got up a little bit, I would say, hey guys, you cannot release the ball until you uh, pass at least one player, right? And by doing that, I took away that decision, that broader decision of do I keep the ball or release the ball? So they don't have to analyze that, right? Now, the only thing they're really analyzing is uh, how do I get by this particular person in a 1v1 situation where I have to do that? But the reason that it was important for me to do it in that context is because I still wanted the other variables around them. Because I kind of talked about this in another podcast where 1v1 in the backyard, it's obviously great. It's obviously great. But to me, it's not completely game-like because you don't have these other variables in place that make it truly game-like. And so by, for all practical purposes, forcing a 1v1 in an actual game where the opponent thinks about it as a game, right? There are other people around you. Um, there's calculated risk and there's mistake and there's uh, there's a constant real consequences if you lose the ball in this case. It added a degree of intensity and reverence to the one v one experience. But I didn't want the decision making to be th that broader one of do I release the ball or do I try to take this person on? Because remember, I'm coaching these people, these kids in a 3v3 situation, but I'm not their primary coach. So that decision of keeping the ball and releasing the ball, that kind of thing is something that they, that's the type of decision that they have to make all the time in their normal club environment. I wanted them to make a different decision, which is if I have to get by this person, you know, how can I, you know, how do I position my body to give me the best opportunity to get by this person? Which way do I go? How, you know, how should I, what should I do to keep the ball when I know I have to get by this person? And how much time should I hold on to the ball before I make my move? Because they could possibly double team me, these types of things. Those are the decisions that I wanted them to make. So that's one example where I'm using a constraint. In this case, I'm saying I'm forcing you to get by this person to activate a, a different set of decisions that I didn't, that I wanted to over exaggerate um in that in that environment well another thing too that comes up a lot is when we talk about younger kids i think because we're when when people think about decision making i don't think they think about it in these terms but they sort of think about you know the tactical perception of a of a child and we know you don't have to be um, an education major um to know that young children uh, even preteens for that matter, will oftentimes struggle with tactical awareness in a way that a young adult would be. And so if you get fixated on thinking that someone is saying they need to understand the tactics in that way, then the conversation is always going to go in left field because um, it's very 
reasonable and correct to say that kids' minds don't work that way. But what I wanted to do, especially in a recreational environment, especially when I'm working with my own children, when I know um, for my older one, when he played club, but he was also doing rec. And unlike many, many, many rec coaches, for my younger one, I saw that he was probably going to be headed to that club level because his older brother was already doing it. I did use rec um, to teach him some stuff that I knew I wasn't going to be able to teach him once he started club because I wasn't going to be his coach. So in that um, context, I really wanted to do some constraints that accelerated their self-assessment of the situation. And so analogy I might give would be like if um, you went to back in, in Charlotte, I think may have them everywhere. I don't know if they're changed, but in Charlotte, they have this place called the Discovery Place. And the way to discover the Discovery Place is like a science um, activity place. They have these types of things all over the place. But in Charlotte, they have a big one called Discovery Place. And so when you go to the discovery place, a lot of times, um, you know, you go into a place like a little setup and you push this button and then you see what happens here. And then you push this button and you see what happens here. And then you push that button and you see what happens here. And maybe you push that lever and you see what happens. So you, so you don't understand and you haven't analyzed the situation, right? And you, you're making decisions because there are kind of confined saying the only way you're going to get any activity is you do these things. But what you're really doing now is you're just reflecting on the impact of those decisions that you're making have. And you're doing that in a safe space. So you're saying, hey, man, when I push this, this happens. And when I push that, this happens. And then you start slowly reflecting on that. And that was the opportunity I was giving the kids. So let me read to you guys a common, a common, common uh, comment that, again, is very true. It's very true. But again, I think some of the disconnect is in how we are defining it. And then I even say that to say, I mean, I know what I'm talking about. So you, you, anyone is invited onto the show to, you know, help us, help me understand this. So it says, the comment says, yes, almost all six-year-olds do not have the brain development to think this deeply when they are immersed in a physical activity. That is why, why focus should be on skill development. Then when a child's brain develops, development has matured enough to be able to think and do, and do together, they just need to learn the tactics before they should have already mastered the technique. So again, I don't think about learning in, in terms of sort of binary like tactics or technique. I don't think about learning in sort of binary terms. I do think about it in terms of like normal people, like many people do as a rubric or where you're gonna spend majority of your time. But to me, it's not a tactics or technique thing, but I am gonna spend the majority of my time on, on individual skill development for a lot of obvious reasons. But then, and then the next thing is, I think you can start teaching anyone anything in a developmentally appropriate way right so i don't have in my mind that's why i want to get folks on i don't have a clear line like there's no red line oh you're 13 now we're going to do tactics no you know no 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 my, my sons they, they they were watching they've been watching since they were five and they know more about this stuff than me 
<laughs> they would tell me everything was wrong with Man United and they need to be doing this. And why is this guy? I got a video of it. My son, he'd be yelling at the TV. Why? Now, I don't know what he if he actually understands what the heck he's talking about. But I do know that you can engage in understanding the game at very young ages. And so I don't really have a clear line of saying, oh, at this age, this is what you need to do. It, because I do think um, uh, you can learn a lot in a developmentally appropriate age at a very young age. So, so then I don't want to lose my train of thought. So, so then I'm saying, okay, yes, you're not going to expect a young person to really have the analysis or the, the, to be able to perceive a situation and then analyze it in a situation that it would be anything close to how uh, an adult might. And that means then it's gonna impact their, their decision-making because they think very much uh, about themselves. They wanna have the ball, they wanna do this, they wanna do that. And that also, because their brains literally are not developed, are gonna impact their decision-making. But because I think about it in these three turn, these three uh, buckets, I did say, well, is there an opportunity for me to, again, going back to the discovery place, is there an opportunity for me to cr create an environment where they can see the impact of different choices they make? And can I, can I narrow the choices that are, that are available to them so they can clearly see the relationship between doing this and doing that thing? And I found a direct environment um, was ideal for that in terms of soccer because the way that the opponents behaved was very predictable. They just chased the ball. Very, very predictable. So it was almost like the discovery place. If you move the ball to the left, it was very predictable that everybody was going to run to the left. If you move the ball back to the right, it was very predictable that everybody you would get the ball in space before everybody had enough time to adjust because the ball and the mind move faster than the body. So it's not that the child understood tactically that we want to change the point of attack. This is not something they would be thinking about. So I remove that, um, the need for them to perceive this and make the correct decision. I removed all of that and we just focused again on those micro decisions. So the micro decision, like in the 1v1 situation would be, you know, how do I get the ball to the left side of the field? How do I get the ball to the left side of the field given the fact that folks are coming towards me? Right. This would be a decision that I wanted them to make. And this is a, a decision that to me was in line with um, the technical skills that I wanted them to develop. Because if they did not have these constraints in many respects, then technically they would just, there was no consequence. Technically, they would kind of do whatever. Now I've been accused of overthinking it, but to me it was very, it was very intuitive. Oh. You know, give them a simple rule. They move here, they move there. They see what happens. We do this for about 10 minutes of the game. They see how the other kids react. They get the ball in space. They do their 1v1s. And you just have a reference point now to talk to them about sort of what, what that looks like. And if you do that over an eight-week season, I at least was impressed by the kids' ability to keep the ball longer, take the ball faster. And when I finally get to the video, podcast at some point that will be it's not groundbreaking or anything but even the other the other coach and i mentioned this 
was impressed with this. And some will argue in the coaching community, he's impressed with the wrong reasons and you'll have your own view on that. But he was at least, uh, he was in, he was baffled by why the, how the kids were able to keep the ball longer, take the ball faster, that kind of thing. And then, you know, do their stuff. So I really want to put this into a succinct bow and, and summarize it this way. Number one, I don't think about learning in strict binary terms of technical or tactical. I think it all works together at some level. And I think you deliver content to anyone in a developmentally appropriate way. And the problem is when you rely solely on broad definitions that are not clearly defined, you'll have a circular conversation where what everyone is saying is absolutely true and absolutely correct, but we may be talking about different things based on our experiences, or we may have a different way of defining things. And I think that might be the case here. And so I look at development um, and I offer this framework for thinking about, not development, decision-making. I offer this framework for thinking about decision-making as a three-pronged process. The first thing is they see the situation, they get a perception, they analyze it, then they make whatever decision they need to do. And then that decision causes an action, causes a result that they assess. And just like going to say a science museum, um, the, the person just playing around with the different, uh, playing around and experimenting, may not understand the science behind what they're doing. In this case, the tactics, they may not, they may not understand it at all, right? But it's just a controlled environment where when they make certain decisions, they get to clearly see the, the impact of those decisions and they can reflect on them. And that's effectively what I want to offer to the folks listening to get their opinions. So it was actually because I didn't think the children had the uh, aptitude across the board um, to understand any de any degree of tactics. And also we had a truncated season, so it wouldn't be fruitful to go there. And because again, common sense, you want them to focus on individual technical skills mainly. Um, I try to just allow, give them a moment, not even just a moment within games to uh, set up an experiment where they could reflect on what happens if they do certain things. And then that's in the backdrop of two other key pieces of information, at least for me. This is me personally. It's just my personality. It is, I am who I am. And so once someone decides to pay money for their child to, for me to do something, even if I'm a volunteer, but they give money to the organization for me to coach their child and they give their time and it's organized. To me, that changes from just going out there and having fun to having a lot of fun, learning a little bit and developing a little bit. And so this type of podcast, when you go into a typical rec, rec youth soccer, recreational youth soccer environment, is going to sound completely silly, right? Because that's not the experience of most people. Culturally, we're just out there. We got our notepad. We all just doing the best we can. This show is really more of a thought exercise that I'm going through based on um, the experience I had as a coach. 
and I'm just a rec recreational coach. And I've always had that personality where I felt like we can have a lot of fun. We can learn a little bit and we can develop a little bit. And I did not see these things at odds with each other at all. As a matter of fact, I thought by learning and developing in a, because we're in an organized environment, uh, the experience will be more fun and more memorable for the children. So, so you have to understand that. And then the next thing you have to understand is I observed the status quo. So when I started understanding soccer, I was juxtaposing what I was seeing erect to what my son was doing in the club environment. And I saw that everyone was bumblebee, heads down, dribbling a mile a minute. The kid who was the kids who were getting the ball mainly were the ones who were the strongest already in terms of either physical maturity or had uh, exposure to soccer. Other kids may or may not be involved. And then the adults, for, uh, and this is wrong, but this is what would happen, what was happening, would be yelling pass or giving random instructions that the kid had no, kids had no way of putting into context. They would bark out stuff like spread out, even though this was completely not something that the kid would even the kids would even understand it wasn't intuitive to them and i would even argue it didn't even make sense if why spread out if you're never going to get the ball right well, i mean it makes no makes no sense so for me it was a, a opportunity to say man is there a way that i could tweak things just a little bit to get um a a, a result that had a little bit of learning a little bit of development and a lot of fun. And then I landed on this thing of saying, well, I had this experience with my older son already where I said, hey, in order for you to, before you pass, you have to get by this person. And I saw when they received, the, when you had to get by at least one defender. And I saw immediately their heads had to go up, right? Because they had to, if they knew they had to get by somebody, they had to look and identify what their defender was. And I saw the impact that had on their body positioning when they received the ball, because now they were really careful about receiving the ball in a way that gave them a little bit more time and space. And then I also saw their movement before they received the ball because they knew, man, I have to pass this guy on the dribble before I can pass it. So let me, let me, let me put myself in a position where it was easier to get by this person uh, when I did receive the ball. I saw all that. And all of that, all of those other behaviors happened because I put this overarching constraint on them that they had to uh, get by at least one person before releasing the ball. And it was because of that, then I said, okay, well, man, in this rec environment, can I have this other little simple rule that says, well, you have to get it to the defender and the defender has to get it wide, and you have to go back to your original positions. And then I saw that a bumblebee soccer was almost immediately eradicated, and they would uh, get the ball in the space. And when I get to the video, I'll try to point this out, even though it's grainy. They lost the ball in the back because of six, right? So the defender would lose the ball in the back, and the other team would score. And, and I would explain, that's okay, blah, blah, blah. And that's just that uh, that was part of it as well. So it's not, it, you know, I'm sure many parents was I actually did have one or two parents say, why don't why are you having them pass it back when they can just 
go forward and I will explain to them, oh, we're just working on something for a few minutes. And then we'll go back to letting the kids kind of do their own thing. And so in conclusion, it's like, you know, decision-making, this is a broad term. Development, this is a broad term. Tactics, these are all broad terms. And I love uh, digging deeper into what they actually mean for different people in different situations so that we can have an even more fruitful conversation. So I hope that made sense. All right, guys, this is Neil Crawford, Anytime Soccer Training. Let's get better together. You guys, you guys, you guys all have the whole range of players, right? You want players who want more. You have the players who have the right amount of training. And without, you know, so we don't necessarily as a club want to add a third day, but we also want to support those individuals who do want some more training time. Um, you know, and we kind of, we demoed this with uh, Eric, our 2010 boys. And he kind of, you know, like, uh, okay, I asked him, okay, I signed him to, to do it with his group. And then I was like, okay, walk me through it. And some pretty cool things on there. And, and you know, from my mindset, I'm like, okay, wait, like we can make this like really fun. Like you can track to see who's doing what, and then we can incentivize that and leaderboard and, you know, and, um, you know, not, you know, and so there's a lot of cool things that you can do with this, but I think the, the cool thing that, you know, Neil just kind of talked about that some of you guys who jumped on a little bit later didn't hear is that Neil's doing this from a parent perspective. And so just making it as simple as possible uh, for, um, you know, uh, the players, but also the parents to help navigate and support their players as well, too. So it'll be, uh, you know, as one of the things that kind of uh, attracted us to, to, um, to any time.